Texas Football Today is a production of Dave Campbell's Texas Football and TexasFootball.com. If you like the show, help us make it. Become a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe. Besides helping us to make shows like this possible, you'll get two magazines, including our legendary summer edition and a year of access to exclusive content on TexasFootball.com. That includes stuff like premium podcasts like Tep and Step, access to all 61 years of the magazine in our digital archives, recruiting analysis, and must-see insight from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football crew. If all of that sounds good to you, we hope you'll consider becoming a Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider at TexasFootball.com slash subscribe that's texasfootball.com slash subscribe and thanks for listening the texas football today podcast is brought to you by chocolate milk built by nature you can watch texas football today live weekdays at noon at texasfootball.com and on facebook and if you like the show subscribe to the podcast vendor of your choice give us a positive rating and tell a friend yes yes y'all from the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Bunker in an undisclosed location, it is Texas Football Today, a show coming to you really genuinely today through the miracle of the internet. Yeah. Uh, my name is Greg Tepper. I am the managing editor of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, texasfootball.com, a corresponding website. Thank you for spending part of your day with us, whether you're watching us live at texasfootball.com or on Facebook, or listening to us on the podcast, which you can subscribe to on the podcast vendor of your choice. Either way, thank you for doing your part to support your local mediocre internet show. I am sitting here, sitting over there in her palatial estate. She is the Duchess of the Dorks. She is Ashley Pickle. Howdy. How's your house? Good. It's uh, got the heater on. Yeah. It's a little too cold to try and mm. make it without the heater. Oh, yeah. Um, we need to ball up this weather and throw it in the trash. Yeah. It's awful, it's, and it's uh, only going to get worse. Bad. Yeah. Like this, this Friday right. and Saturday. Oof. We are uh, look. We you know. I think I think we've 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 established ourselves on this show as being um, professional meteorologists, mm-hmm. and so uh, I think people trust us when we say that this weather weather sucks. Yeah, two thumbs down. Which yeah, real exactly. fast. Electric blanket. It's the key. You can run your heater a lot less if you just have an electric blanket. It's amazing. All right, Grandma. Uh, what time does Murder, She Wrote come on? Mm, Do you funny. know? Funny. Today is Tuesday, February 9th, 2021. 289 days till Thanksgiving. So 1,106. 1,106 is the Mark Wagner episode. On today's show, my friends. We are going to continue and conclude our series of college football postmortems, taking a look at the Texas Tech Red Raiders, the UTEP Miners, and the UTSA Road Runners. Uh, we were, as you can probably tell, uh, because we didn't have a show Thursday and Friday, we were supposed to conclude this Friday, but now we're concluding it Tuesday because that's the way we roll. So we'll get into that. And then back half of the show, it's Hot Take Tuesday. And Hot Take Tuesday, this week, we're going to have a revolving door of columnists uh, issuing a hot take on texasfootball.com and then coming on this show to defend it. And this week, the return. Everyone's favorite. Ishmael Johnson will be here to talk about the worst rule in football. So we'll talk about that coming up here at the back half of the show. Do we first four through the door? 
We sure do. It was Rob Hadaway, Tony Blaylock, Daniel Agnew, and Aaron Flynn. Welcome in, fellas. Hello, friends. All right, Pickle, let's get into um, the final three college football postmortems uh, as we take a look at the 12 FBS teams in the state of Texas and what they did in the 2020 college football season. We'll start out in the LBK, and we'll start with the Texas Tech Red Raiders, who rack up a 4-6 and six record uh, in Coach Matt Wells' second year there uh, with Tech. And um, look – a four and six, I think, is obviously disappointing. I think they were uh, they they strike me as a team that got a little bit. Well, part of it is that I think they got a little bit unlucky. Part of, I mean, I think you make your own luck, uh, but I think part of it is that they were. There's two teams here that I think uh, that we're going to talk about, but they did not win on the margins, and they did not. For example, they were like really bad in special teams and stuff like that, and that cost them a few games. Um, they just they did not have a knack for for coming up with a big play at the key moment. They were really bad at turnover, like turnover margin. Uh, those little things kind of I think mar what was otherwise like a, a, a decent team. I think Tech yeah. fans are probably mad because the, the 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 record stinks. The record's four and six. They were a team that if a couple of plays go a different way, and I know you got to make your own breaks. But if a couple of plays go a, a different way, they could be six and four. And, and I think things feel a lot different. Mm-hmm. So let's start with the offensive grade. The offensive grade, I'm going to start. I'm going to give them good. I was going to say the other thing, and it's what we talk about every single year with Tech. And I hate to bring it up, but injuries, they cannot keep a healthy quarterback. Oh, yeah. And honestly, like, excuses, they can't stay excuses healthy. but that plays a factor at some point. No, no, it does. It does. And they, they have not been able to stay healthy, but you know, this is a team that, you know, you do make your own breaks and, and, and in the end they did not make the plays with the players that they had. So on the offensive side, I give them a C plus, I give them a C plus, uh, you know, they, they kind of had a bit of a, a revolving door. I think I knocked up, knocked my camera. Um, they did have a bit of a revolving door at quarterback uh, with Alan Bowman and Henry Columbia, both of whom I thought played okay um, in their time. Uh, but obviously inconsistency at the quarterback spot is going to hurt, uh, especially when you're talking about a team that I do think had a really nice, uh, you know, core of receivers. You know, Eric Njikanma, I think, uh, you know, obviously he, I don't think he needs any, uh, you know, introduction at this point. I thought Sean Carter in his limited time was really effective. I thought Miles Price, the freshman, stepped up in a big way. Um, I thought Jalen Polk, now he's transferring as well, but, but he, uh, I thought, stepped up in a big way. They had a, a number of a group of receivers that I thought were pretty good. I thought the offensive line was actually quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, led by Jack Anderson, I thought that the offensive line was, was quite good. And I thought that they, they were able to run the ball pretty effectively with Sir Roger Thompson. What ended up costing them was just inconsistency at the quarterback spot, both, both as far as play and as far as who it was, right? Mm-hmm. Whether you're talking about injuries, whether you're talking about ineffectiveness, like they were a bit of a revolving door at the quarterback spot. And I feel like if they had just found that guy, they would have been even better than they were. They were a decent offense. Like they were a pretty good offense. I mean, this is, you know, it's probably not pretty good by tech standards, but I thought that the balance that they had was actually pretty good. They ran the ball relatively well, but it was just a matter of the quarterback, uh, you know, from, from a quarterback perspective, they just weren't getting enough. 
and and that's that's what ended up costing them and, and keeping kind of holding them down. Um, on I the always, defensive side, I'm going to give them a C. Mo- Go ahead. I always look back to that Texas game, that double overtime Texas game, and think oh. like that's what the Tech offense could have been if they could have played like that every mm-hmm. week. As I mean, they were sharp, and yes, they lost the game. It went way further than it should have, but that game was very impressive from the Tech offense. So you kind of got that flash of what it could be, and then it seemed to kind of pitter out as the year went on. Yeah, it kind of it kind of fizzled. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just kind of fizzled from there. Um, so yeah, I'm going to give them a I'm going to give them a C plus on offense. On, on the defensive side, I'm going to go with a C minus. Um, and again. The numbers are bad, right? The numbers are, are, are pretty bad. And in fact, C minus is probably being a bit generous. It's probably closer to a D plus. Uh, look, you can't give up 37 points a game, plain and simple. You can't do that. Um, I do think that they were relatively effective in the secondary, um, you know, as far as keeping, keep, you know, uh, making teams earn their way down the field. Uh, you know, the problem was that they were, allowing a lot of they they went with the bend don't break approach and that works as long as you're making big plays and again they just weren't making those splash plays they weren't affecting the quarterback they weren't picking the ball off they weren't making those big plays so they were allowing teams to complete all these underneath passes and so it's good that teams were not hitting these deep shots on them over and over and over as has been a problem in the past but instead they were getting killed by death by a thousand cuts and and that's just not gonna that's just not gonna stand up and so i thought that the defense I, I think it was probably better than those 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 numbers as far as scoring offense and total offense may lend on, but I don't think that they were a team that was particularly good. In fact, uh, the fact that they were able to um, hold things down and keep things in front of them probably belied a bigger issue, which was that the front seven just wasn't all that good, and that's and- kind of kind of a uh, a bigger issue. We have a comment that I agree with, and I feel like a lot of people agree with it, but I feel like there's a caveat to it. It says, uh, I always felt that Tech's biggest issue was their lack of defense. And I would say that's pretty much true, but I think that a big portion of that is for so many years, we got so used to seeing this air raid style of offense at Texas Tech that they're going down, they're scoring so quickly that their defense is on and off all the time. So coaches always say there's a there's a balance to be had there I think we're moving away from that a little bit in the Matt Wells range but I think Tech's defense gets a little bit more flack on a normal broader scan than they usually deserve yeah I think that that's true I mean this is a team that's uh from a time of possession perspective like they were 118th in the nation like they do not keep the ball very much their defense is on the field a lot and so that's going to hurt them especially late in games but you know, in the end, you got to make plays, and you have to recruit to that. And that is a that is an that that is a reflection of the entire program, not just this particular team. Uh, my MVP, I'm going to go with Eric Enzukanma, their their quarterback or their wide receiver. Uh, I thought he was terrific. 46 catches, 748 yards, six touchdowns. Didn't really matter who was the uh, um, who was the number one. Um, who was the quarterback? Right, he was making plays. Um, he led the team in receptions receiving yards and touchdowns. Uh, I think you could go with Jack Anderson if you want to go with an offensive lineman, uh, which is, I think, fair as well. So maybe co-MVPs, but I'm going to go with Eric, Eric Ezukama, uh, the, the Keller product, as my team MVP. So now let's take a look at 2021. Looking forward to 2021. And this is a um, 
this is a team that is going to, once again, need to figure out exactly what they are offensively, right? Um, that, you know, Alan Bowman is transferring, right? They do not know who, you know, they, they need to figure out exactly what their, their quarterback situation is going to be like. They're also losing Kashawn Carter. They're also losing Jalen Polk. Um, they are having, there's some movement there at tech. And so the question is going to be, um, you know, especially I would say from a, uh, from the quarterback perspective, that's what everybody wants to focus on. They're also losing TJ Vash to the draft. Uh, they're losing Eli Howard to the draft. They're losing Jack Anderson to the draft. Um, they're moving a lot of guys out. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I think they're going to need to figure out a, the quarterback spot, what they want to do with the quarterback spot. Uh, do they believe in, you know, in Henry Columbia? Is he their guy? Um, I throw out but Baron I think Morton? also that offensive <laughs> Baron Morton, if, if they want to roll with the true freshman, I mean, I know they're very bullish on him. They are going to need to, to shore up that offensive line, obviously with, um, uh, you know, with Jack Anderson leaving, they do bring in TJ Starman from TCU uh, in the transfer portal. That should help as well. Uh, but this is also a team that I do think the defense by and large, you know, with the exception of Eli Howard, who is probably their most effective defender in my opinion, um, they are, they're coming back largely intact. And, and a lot of that defense is going to come back. The defense is going to have an opportunity to say, we were young, we, 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 we need another year. Well, they're going to get another year and we'll find out exactly what they are. I think it's a big year for uh, Matt Wells. Um, I think, you know, it's going to be a third year for him. Do I think that he's on the hot seat? No. Do I think if they have a very bad year, he could be out? Sure. I think you could say that about a lot of coaches. Uh, do I think that if they have another five and seven type year that 2022 is going to be problematic for him? Yes, I do. So this is a big year for uh, Matt Wells, I think, going into 2021. So it will be interesting to see what tech does. All right, let's move on. Talk a little bit. uh, Talk about the UTEP Miners. Talk about the UTEP Miners. UTEP goes three and five. And UTEP is... I mean, I'm. I, I mean, the, the, good for them to go three and five. I mean, obviously that's a step in the right direction in the win column, and that's the that's the column that matters the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, I remain a little baffled as to how they did that. Um, yep. I'm not. <laughs> I really don't know. I mean, I know they beat a lot of bad teams, right? That's mm-hmm. a big big part of it. But I I remain a little bit baffled because this was not a very good team. Um, let's go uh, offensive grade from an offensive perspective. I'm going to give them a D plus. Um, they did get a little bit, a little bit of offensive, uh, you know, of, of quarterback play this mm-hmm. year. I thought that there were times in which Gavin Hardison flashed, uh, but he also, there are also times where he was a non-factor or worse for, for UTEP. Uh, this is a team that, that for a team that, that had inconsistent quarterback play, certainly did not help things with uh, not really having any sort of running game of note. I mean, they, they tried to hammer the ball to Deion Hankins and he came, you know, he was okay. Um, but, you know, they tried to give him the ball, but he was a freshman running behind a bad offensive line and um, they were not very effective running the ball. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, that they, they had some, they, they the, the passing game was able to light it up a little bit. I thought Jake, uh, both Jacob Cowling and Justin Garrett were both excellent. Uh, this past year, but this was also a team that only threw for seven touchdowns. And this is a team that in the end, you're going to be measured on, on how much you score and they scored fewer than 24 points a game. And you can't live like that. 
You just can't live like that. Um, you know, I mean, you can if you have an elite, elite defense. We'll get to them in a moment. But this this was an offense that just sputtered. It was not very good uh, for the most part. When Gavin Hardison was on, I thought that they were okay. When they he was off, I thought they were pretty hard to watch. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of where we're at with UTEP. I think it was a step in the right direction under center in the passing game, but probably not anything to get super excited about. Um, you know, I, I think the future, we'll talk about this when we get to our 2021, I think the future is in the running game. I think that's what Dana Demo wants to do. He mm-hmm. wants to establish the run. Are they going to be able to do that going forward? That's kind of the question. Um, okay, let's move on to the defense. And uh, if you thought that, was, that wasn't very kind, let's talk about the defense. I give the defense a, a D. Yeah. Um, it was ugly at times. Uh, I will say that they were not terrible against the run. They were yeah. okay against the run. Not great. Not great. We'll be very clear. Mm-hmm. Not great. But they were okay. That front seven, Stephen Forrester, Tyrese Knight, um, you know, Keenan Stewart, they had some playmakers up there in the front mm-hmm. uh, as far as against the run is concerned. Now, it didn't mean they affected the quarterback. They were not very good at sacking the quarterback. They did not make plays in the secondary basically ever. Um, they gave up big play after big play, and they did not pick off the ball. Like, they did not come up with plays. Um, I mean, they were one of the worst turnover margin teams uh, in, in the country. In fact, they are 119th in takeaways. Um, they were bad uh, as far as taking the ball away. Uh, overall, look, the numbers are not very – you know, a lot of this is uh, – uh, what helps is that they stayed on the field a long time. They, they ate up a lot of time in possession. And so as a result, um, you know, as, as, as a result, like the, uh, the t- of total offense is actually relatively, it's not good. It's 73rd in the nation. Mm-hmm. But like, when you take a look at like points per play, right. Points per play, they were 115th in the nation. Like they were not good defensively. And especially in that secondary, if they were not getting the quarterback and more, more often than not, they were not. Uh, they're not getting the quarterback, then they were not very effective. And the defense ended up kind of, you know, not being very good, which has kind of unfortunately been a bit of a calling card for UTEP lately. So that defense is not able to come up with a good play. Well, and the frustrating um, part the def- about their defensive backs absolutely producing nothing is I feel like when you look at, like, the SEC, you expect, like, there's going to be some difference, no offense, but between Alabama and Mizzou. When you look at Conference USA, there should not be that great of a you know, margin of in between, like, yeah, one one team might have a superstar wide receiver that it's just going to torch uh, some defensive backs. But overall, there shouldn't be that much of a gap in between a defensive back and a wide receiver at the Conference USA level. And no. it just it shouldn't be. No, there shouldn't be that gulf. Mm-hmm. There shouldn't be that gulf. And and the secondary looks it uh, it has looked um, you know, undermanned. Plain and simple, mm-hmm. it's look undermanned. Um, let's talk about uh, the you know, team MVP. I'm going to go with Jacob Cowing, uh, their wide receiver. Again, I thought he was their most. You can go with Deion Hankins. He was probably the guy that 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 you know he's the he's the workhorse. I mean, he carried the ball 121 times. But I would say that the most effective guy was Jacob Cowing. He was a team leader in rece- receptions, team leader in receiving yards, uh, and then he was tied for team lead in passing or receiving touchdowns. I think he was probably the guy that when he was going, that meant that the passing game was going. When the passing game was going, that meant they were playing the best that they could. And so I would say Jacob Cowing is probably the most valuable player for them. Um, All right. Now let's take a look 
at um, what they've got coming back. Uh, and I've got some bad news. Um, it's not it's not superb uh, what they've got coming back. Uh, but this is a team that, um, you know, uh, I think will have, um, you know, they're, they're losing some guys in the transfer portal. But they're also, you know, I think that they're, they want to make some moves and, and get a little bit older, especially I think they want to get a little bit older on the offensive line. Um, but this is a team that I think from an offensive perspective, we know what they want to do. We know that they want to be uh, the team that, um, you know, we know they want to grind it out on the ground. They bring back, I think, four other starting offensive line. They bring back um, Deion Hankins. They bring back um, uh, Joshua Fields. They bring back a lot of those guys. Gavin Hardison is back, right? Jacob Cowing is back. Um, they are going to, you know, they're going to have guys to, to step up and, 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 and make plays on the offensive side. The defense, I mean, look, they're losing a lot of their production. They were relatively senior heavy last year. Which um, and they're losing thing? a lot of the, they're. I mean, that's the question, right? They're losing a lot of that production. Uh, can they kind of take that step forward? Uh, and, and, and bring in the, the, the youth movement. Can they get some guys to step up? Um, that's kind of a big question. Look, the defense has to take a step forward. Next year, they're going to have to take a step forward with a relatively young group. That's normally not a good kind of, you know, uh, confluence of events. But we'll see. Um, we don't know. Look, I don't know what the status of Dana, Dana Dimmel is out there. I know he signed a relatively guaranteed contract out there, and I think he has a, uh, assurances from the administration that he's going to get some time. Mm-hmm. But he's had some time, and 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 they've got to start showing some results, or else anybody is going to uh, mm-hmm. to, to get uh, tired of, of watching this. Now, three and, and I five, I think, is a, is a step in the right direction in the win column, but it's got to look better too. I agree with what you said earlier about the biggest thing I feel like on the offensive side of the ball is they've got to get that run game going because I feel like if you look at past UTEP offenses, that's really typically the only thing they ever had going for them in the first place. And it's like now when you find that quarterback that is able to flash, if you can get a consistent run game, maybe stuff starts to mesh a little better. Right. Yeah. I mean, you think about like when they've had great offenses, a lot of it's been, you know, guys like Aaron Jones obviously springs to mind, but like, before that, um, you know, they, they were able to have some, some, some decent quarterback play in the Mike Price era. It's not impossible to throw the ball effectively out there in El Paso, but mm-hmm. they have not had that right guy. And I think a lot of it also comes down to in a place that they have just not, you know, basically since Will, Will Hernandez left, they have not been able to fill in the gaps and have that kind of strong dominant offensive line, which is always what, they wanted, you know, that's what Dana Dimmel's always wanted to do. So Dana Dimmel wanted to do, so Sean Kugler wanted to do, he was able to get Will Hernandez. That's about it, basically, with mm-hmm. as far as elite offensive line is concerned. So it's 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 frustrating to see because I, I desperately want to see UTEP perform well, but it's just uh, next year, unless that defense really grows up in a hurry, it could be another troublesome year uh, for the Miners in El Paso. Okay, let's wrap it all up. Let's talk about uh, a positive note. Let's end it on a positive note. Let's talk about the UTSA Roadrunners. And we started this segment talking about tech and talking about how tech lost a lot of games on the margins that actually the numbers belied a better team than their record indicated, but because they weren't very good on special teams, because they weren't very good in the turnover margin, um, they just they ended up stumbling and not having a record, um, uh, you know, what they wanted to. Let's talk about the complete opposite now with UTSA. 
Because for UTSA, if you were to just look at the numbers from a blind perspective, you would say, okay, this team probably went, you know, if they want, if they played 12 games, they probably went four and eight or five and seven, right? Mm-hmm. The, the numbers don't, don't overwhelm you, but they were spectacular on special teams, spectacular mm-hmm. on special teams. They were spectacular at forcing turnovers. Okay. They were very good and they did not give the ball away. They were great in the turnover margin. So those little things, right? The little things, they were great. They were really, really good. They're very effective. And and that is that's a Jeff Trailer staple. And that's how I mean, look, plain and simple, that's how you win games when maybe you're not the best team on the field. The most talented team, I should say, on the field. And that's what they were able to do. Uh, it helps to have a guy, and we'll talk about him in a moment, but this was a team that, that I thought was excellent uh, at, at those little things. And that's a big reason why they went 7-5. So let's start uh, with, the, uh, with the offense. My offense was great for them as a B-. minus. Um, I thought, you know, look, now, now part of this, this is going to sound uh, very self-serving. Uh, part, of, part of this is, uh, hey, look, uh, they threw Frank Harris in there and they let Frank Harris cook and Frank Harris is awesome. Uh, and that helps, right? Certainly. Uh, and, and that's a big part of it, but I mean, look, we would be remiss if we did not mention the, uh, I would say the real star of the show, which was sincere McCormick, mm-hmm. who was arguably the best offensive player in the state this year. Um, yeah. I mean, this guy was spectacular for, for them and he really grinded it out and, and I think covered up for the fact that the receiver core was good wasn't elite um the passing game was definitely their second most uh second most effective part of it and they were it was a lot of dink and dunk is a lot of kind of keeping the reins on frank harris and letting him kind of learn on the job uh but you know look when you put all that together the kind of short passing game uh you know getting the ball to guys like josh cephas like zakari franklin um when you were doing that and you were adding in what was one of the most dynamic running running games in the state, you had a pretty darn good offense, right? And I think that, the other... B-minus is probably, uh, honestly, a little bit a little bit uh, conservative for them. But, you know, they weren't spectacular from in the passing perspective. Uh, they were a little bit inconsistent until they let Frank Harris really loose. But uh, from Sincere McCormick's perspective, I mean, in the running game, they were one of the best in, in the state and top of the country. And I think that what like all the things that you said kind of mashed together into what made the offense good one you talked about how the defense was able to force so many turnovers and I know that we'll get to that point but you look at to the numbers weren't spectacular that's because UTSA's offense took the gift that they were given in those turnovers and they converted Mm -hmm. on them so it's like you get a short field you don't get the numbers off of that but you get the points and I feel like that was the highlight is the offense was able to take those and convert them into points which is how you win the games yes they won the field position battle and they were able to do that in, 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 in by sound special teams and by forcing turnovers on the defensive side. I gave them a C minus. That's probably again, a little bit conservative. I think it's fair. Give them a C in this one. Uh, but again, if you dive into the numbers, like this was a team that, you know, that, that basically they didn't, they didn't get to the quarterback all that much. They were a little, little below average getting to the quarterback. Uh, they were rel- they got gashed on the ground a relative you know decent amount. Um, the passing defense was was okay. It was again bend don't break. But the difference 
The difference is that they made plays. They forced turnovers. I mean, this is a team uh, that forced uh, that 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 had you know more than uh, nearly two takeaways a game. I mean, they really forced the issue and came up with big plays. This is one of those bend don't break defenses that that did it right. That mm-hmm. you can let you can give up some yards, right? They gave up almost 400 yards per game. You can give up some yards, but if you stand up and you make those plays when it matters, then you're able to come up with, you know, you're able to, to, to turn that into a winning product. And that's what they were able to do. They won a lot on the margins is what I'm saying, that if you dive into what the defense was from a down-to-down perspective, they were, okay, maybe even a little below average, but they made the big plays at the key moment. And that is something that I think goes to the coaching staff, that goes to the senior leaders that they have on that team. They came up with the big play. They had a knack for the dramatic. And that's what I think is really impressive about them. Uh, I think the offensive MVP, I think, should be real. Or, I'm sorry, not even the offensive MVP. I think the MVP uh, should be pretty obvious. Uh, Sincere McCormick, uh, a nearly 1,500-yard rusher. He was spectacular. In fact, where did he rank nationally? Uh, He was sixth in the nation. Is that right? Let me make sure. No, he was second in the nation in rushing yards, in in total rushing yards. Now, he played 11 games, uh, so there's other guys that have better averages, quote-unquote, than him. But, I mean, he had more uh, – did you like watching Najee Harris, the running back for Alabama? Uh, because he had more yards than him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was uh, – Sincere McCormick was uh, a game-breaker for them and really, really spectacular uh, and, and arguably the best offensive player in the state in 2020. So, uh, you know, hats off to him. Looking forward to 2021, I, I will say this about them, okay? A lot of that offense is back. A mm-hmm. lot, almost all of them, right? They're bringing back a lot of guys. Uh, from what I understand, uh, uh, very few guys are in the transfer portal for, uh, as far as a program that you, you would expect them to, there to be, especially with a second-year coach, there to be named the transfer portal. There's not a ton. Um, the recruiting has been really good under Jeff Trailer. There is starting to be this really it, – it's a little underground right now. But there are there is a little bit of hype around tech, a UTSA, mm-hmm. and and it's probably the first time in a long time, maybe ever, that you can say that there's yeah, some hype around UTSA that they're building something, and 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 there's a lot. Uh, Jeff Trailer is doing it the right way. He's building it with high school kids. He's got a star in Sierra McCormick that they feel like is going to be you know we'll, we'll take another step next year. They got Frank Harris. If he can establish, if he can take a step forward. Uh, you know, he will be a guy to keep an eye on. Um, I don't know. UTSA is one of those teams that, uh, and by the way, those two receivers I mentioned, Zachary Franklin and Joshua Cephas, they're both back. Um, there's this, they're, they're going to be a hipster darling next year. Mm-hmm. UTSA is going to be a hipster darling next year. And you might want to buy tickets on the, uh, on, on the, the Roadrunner Express uh, right now because the bandwagon's going to fill up. I think, too, the most impressive thing about this team that I feel like is just going to carry on into next season is the fact that you look at some of those really big games that they lost, and it was Army, who is traditionally a very powerhouse program. They went up against number 16, BYU, and only lost by, like, a score. So it's like those setting it up to where you won all the games you're supposed to win, you only lost a couple of games, but they're ones that next year you go, we want to go out and win those big games. And that gives them something to look forward to on a national perspective too. 
I think the arrow is decidedly pointing upward for UTSA. Now you got to build on the momentum, right? You got to go out there and put up in 2021, but a lot to like about UTSA moving forward in the second year under Jeff Trick. We are Texas football today. We're here every weekday at noon on texasfootball.com, talking football on the Lone Star State. You can follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of course, see us at texasfootball.com. Texasfootball.com is where you can find complete coverage of high school football, college football, and recruiting all across the Lone Star State. I want to invite you to become Dave Campbell's Texas Football Insider. Texasfootball.com slash subscribe. It's our subscription package. Two magazines, including the 2021 summer edition of Dave Campbell's Texas Football, which believe it or not, starting to think about uh, <laughs> you get that you get a year's worth of exclusive online content at texasfootball.com including a new episode of tep and step our premium high school football podcast which we are recording tonight so Boom. we get a new episode of that in your feed if you're a dave campbell's texas football insider you can become one at texasfootball.com slash subscribe and pickle yes you know what sunday is valentine's day get your sweetheart the gift of football textfootball.com slash subscribe pickle is it i know we're not in the same room but kind of feels like it's getting hot is it hot in there too it's it's hot in here i think maybe because it's hot take tuesday you're gonna play the video good right it's hot take tuesday Tuesday. you're on texas football keep going Uh, sorry we are uh i know we're we're working out the technical difficulties talk take tuesday we are um uh inviting the dave campbell's texas football staff each week uh to issue a hot take on texasfootball.com and then come on this show and defend it today the return of ishmael johnson and ishmael johnson's hot take is about what he calls the worst rule in football. We talked about it. Here's Ish. It's Hot Take Tuesday here on Texas Football Today. And today's hot taker, it's everybody's favorite member of the Texas Football Today family. Uh, we haven't seen you in like decades, Ishmael Johnson. But uh, but you yeah. can hear it. You can I guess hear I, it. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, um, I, I, it's probably been since, God, the anniversary show, I guess, technically. So, but I will just say this. Maybe this is a good way to plug this. If you just need your Ishmael Johnson fix, you can listen to Republican football every week. I mean, you, you get you get, you get Ish all the time in, in, on that one. So uh, subscribe on the podcast vendor of your choice. But we're here not to talk about your other podcast ventures, but because – uh, it's your turn to, uh, to to fire off the hot take, and you've got it up on TexasFootball.com. Um, you call it the worst rule in football. Uh, wh- what are you talking about? Uh, yeah, I stopped short of calling it the worst rule in sports, um, even though I have called it in that in the past. But basically, it's the uh, touchback rule. Um, when the ball rolls out in the end zone, uh, often – loses possession for some reason and the defense gets it right then and there regardless of whether or not they recover it um i think it's the worst rule in football as as the the column says i think it's something that i don't know where it could start as far as like changing that rule um 
but it has to start somewhere, like whether it's the NFL or college football or NFHS or something. But I, I honestly feel that that has to start somewhere, um, primarily because, and I kind of touch on this at the end, but for a sport that prides itself so much on finishing and, you know, playing to the whistle and doing every little bit, this is such a drastic swing for the defense making half of a play. And, you know, when you look at a turnover, it's forcing the turnover and recovering the ball. That is a turnover. This one, this, the touchback rule basically says, eh, close enough. Here you go. And so, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say that that's, that's rather interesting. And I think if, if maybe people haven't thought about it that way, but like, think about a fumble. Let's mm-hmm. just say that uh, you're carrying the ball, uh, you're at the 50 yard line, uh, and you mm-hmm. fumble the ball and it goes out of bounds right? It goes out of bounds. That's not a change of possession. Now, if you were to move that to the one yard line and you were to fumble it out of bounds past the pylon, it's suddenly a turnover and the other team gets the ball in the 20. It does seem like a very context specific rule for a, for a sport that generally has kind of, kind of removed those. Right. Like it's, it's literally, it goes from just like, Oh, it's down right there to basically an interception. Like why did, why did that happen? Um, I propose a, I propose something in, in a fix to it in the article an inverted touchback basically um, to where the offense gets the ball first and goal at the 20 and you get four tries, three or four tries to punch it in. And there you go. It punishes both sides because Obviously, we've seen all all seen examples of you know receivers dropping the ball just shy of the end zone, and maybe getting kicked out or something. Um, or last year with Trevon Diggs, I think it was knocking the ball out of DK Metcalf, flying in the back of the end zone. Right. So DK Metcalf should be punished for that. The ball carrier should be punished for losing possession of the ball, but they shouldn't lose possession because the defense didn't recover anything. And so that's why. I think, okay, well, if you lose it at the goal line, okay, then you're pushed back to the 20. There's your penalty, right? There's your, there's your uh, uh, punitive damage. Then you, yeah, then, then the defense also gets spotted 20 yards and they say basically they get, but they also get punished for not recovering the ball. And so, I don't know, it's, it's really, it's always bugged me and it always comes up like, it's a rule that pops up like four times a year. <laughs> and like, mm-hmm. I mean, four times in like the NFL college football and high school, like it never comes up, but when it does, you're like, wait, why is this a thing? Yeah, it is. And it, it seems particularly like punitive. You know what I mean? Like it's a like really punitive rule. Yeah. It's a really punitive rule. Um, and it's funny because especially if you go with the NFL, I would say that, that, that is arguably like, I think the, I think the NFL is also home to the most punitive penalty in sports, which is pass interference. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Because, like, theoretically, that could be a 98-yard penalty if, <laughs> if you wanted it to be. Um, it, you know, you would need a, a quarterback with a rocket arm, but that's neither here nor right. there. But then you're talking about this, and, and you're right. It seems like fumbling at the wrong place on the field is do, does make it does make it particularly punitive. Uh, so it's, it's an interesting, it's an interesting idea. And, and I also think that, uh, I think you have, I think you're going to have some support on this. I think that there's, I think the more, I think this is one of those rules that because it only comes up every once in a while, Mm -hmm. people don't necessarily think of, but I think when you think more and more about the intricacies and how kind of 
almost out of place the rule is. I do feel like most people will probably agree. Yeah, you, you do need to change that. You do need to make that so that uh, it is like most other fumbles mm-hmm. uh, or every other fumble and not make it context specific to where the fumble happened. Sure. And I think that I've heard some solutions where, you know, some people propose making it just straight up first and goal, right? If it's, if it's down anywhere out of bounds and the other 90, 90 yards, it's down there. Right. And so why should that theoretically change in the goal line? And I can, I can sort of get that, but I do think there is some penalty. There should be some penalty for losing the ball uh, in the goal in the end zone. Um, The one, the argument that I've, it's not really a, tangible one to me but to me it's the best argument i've heard just for like how weird the sport is and how like you know we've drifted towards obviously making it a more offensive centric sport the argument that i've heard is that yeah but this is a rule that goes for the defense just keep it like because they've lost so much leverage in terms of like the rule book over the past uh, era and like yeah. To me, you can't, you can't you can't argue that for football reasons, but like as just like how the game has evolved, I could be I could hear someone out just saying, "Yeah, why not? Just give it to the just give it to the defense. <laughs> Everything's that, pass interference now. All these things are catches that are probably not. Whatever defense, here's a bone. You know, I could see people. I that to me that's the most sound argument, even though it's not a football one. <laughs> no, that strikes me as like, well, all these other things are wrong. Let's do this wrong in the other. <laughs> right. Right. You know and it's I mean? like, it's like, that doesn't make sense, but I could get it because nothing, a lot of other things don't make sense. <laughs> okay. That's, that's tough and fair. Uh, yeah. I think I agree with you. I think I agree with you that this is the worst, the worst rule in football. Um, and, 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 and the, the thing about it too, that after reading your column, it strikes me as a pretty easy fix. Like this strikes me as like, there's nothing really stopping. There's no like real, like, uh you know thing there's no like tradition in here there's no like argument there's no people who are like really that their ox is going to get gored by changing this rule and there's no like real uphill climb to change it it's just like write it into the rule book and then you're done like it just doesn't it it doesn't feel like there's all these other like like ripple effects that are gonna that you have to consider right it's like oh you can't you know like the kickoff rule or something where you're like oh if you change that what's gonna happen in this scenario it's like no this is a very specific scenario that is like honestly if you want to bring up like the top five most catastrophic potentially catastrophic rules like this you mentioned pass interference like obviously in the nfl in particular or in college football like you can use that strategically right if you're getting beat 50 yards just knock them down oh, okay 15 yards right so like the, like pass interference arguably might be number one in terms of like the most momentum swinging you know shifting play uh penalties this is like two or three to me because you're you're off the offense is about to score and then they just straight up lose possession. Like it, the quarterback might as may as well have thrown a pick in the end zone. And um, yeah, I don't know. Like it's again, I, me- I mentioned the fact that just because th- this is a sport that has always prided itself on playing to the whistle and doing everything. And all of a sudden it's just like, yeah, it's half. It's fine. Eh, it's, it's here. They have the ball. Like, I don't know. It's, it never made sense to me. And the people that there are people who there will be people, you know, we're recording this before the show, but there will be people in the comments who stand by this rule. And I never understand why I do not see what the point, and it's always from like a, well, he should, you know, the ball carrier should finish the play. And it's like, yeah, but the defense should too. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, that, that does. It, it, it strikes me as like very selective of mm-hmm. like, of like who you expect what from um, in, in that. So, 
Uh, he's Ishmael Johnson. You can read his fine work at TexasFootball.com, including him railing against the worst rule in football. Ish, pre- I have more. Appreciate your time. This. this is great. <laughs> I'll have more appreciate- of these. <laughs> <laughs> he's got more takes lined up, folks. <laughs> Buckle up. <laughs> there he is, Ishmael Johnson, uh, making his glorious re- return to Texas football today on Hot Take Tuesday, um, talking about the worst rule in football. Uh, I, when you said that we were doing, I do good. When you said we were doing hot take Tuesday, I was like, this is like, if you want to look at Ish's alley, this is right up it. (laughs) He's going to love this. Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're going to, don't worry. Like the, the carousel will come back around to Ish, uh, for hot take Tuesday. Uh, but yeah, we, uh, we, we, we want to get our, uh, get our, our guys, uh, some opportunity to get some shots off. Uh, and, and and he got his off about uh, about the worst role in football. So appreciate Ishmael Johnson for joining us. And now we go to Ashley Pickle for America's second favorite segment. Final thoughts. Uh, two final thoughts, real fast. Uh, Miss Terry commented about the hot take, and she agrees. She says it's like playing Monopoly with money in free parking. <laughs> yeah, it's a good way to put it. It's a good yeah. analogy. Um, so there's that. The other one. It's National Pizza Day, if you didn't know. Mm. Mm. I felt like the people needed to know that. So cool. that's my Happy final National thought. Pizza Day. <laughs> I, uh, I, will, I will not have pizza today. I've got a, I've got a crock pot going downstairs, not to brag. Mm. But uh, actually, if anybody wants a really good uh, – it is, it is vegetarian. Uh, if anybody wants a really good vegetarian crock pot recipe, uh, HMU on Twitter – I was um, say, hit me up and I put will put that out uh, for the people. I'd be happy to share it with you. Yeah, don't worry. Uh, it's it's this the second time we're making it. We're running it back. We we did a couple weeks ago and it was really, really good, so we're doing it again tonight. Nice. So uh there you go. That's the exciting <laughs> life that I lead. We should be back in the studio tomorrow. So uh look forward to that. Thanks for uh, spending a little bit of your day with us. Follow us on Twitter at DCTF, like us on Facebook, Facebook.com slash Dave Campbells. Follow us on Instagram, Instagram.com slash Dave Campbells. And of us at TexasFootball.com. Thanks again to Ishmael Johnson for being our guest. For Ashley Pickle, I'm Greg Tepper. Vince Young, please meet your player of the year trophy. We'll see you tomorrow, hopefully back in the studio. Text football play.